Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Um, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing uh, the most recent High Republic release, Cavan uh, Scott's Path of Vengeance, and we've assembled a round table to discuss all things Path of Vengeance. We will be going full spoilers, so if anybody hasn't read the, read the book yet, go away, read it, and come back because we'll be getting into full spoilers. Um, I'm on hosting duties today. My name's Dan. Um, on Instagram, I am Vader's Castle Library. Uh, and we have four guests with us today. First up, we've got Johnny. Johnny, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi there. Yes. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm Johnny Maynard. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Journals of the Wills. Uh, I've been rambling about Star Wars books there for a couple of years now. Um but uh, this is the first time that, that I've jumped onto a podcast, so uh, intrigued to see how this goes. Great, and we've got Chris as well. Yeah, hiya. Um, yeah, so I'm Chris. Um, you might know me as uh, Star Wars Book Collector or SW Book Collector. I haven't really figured out which one that is yet. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll briefly touch on the Star Wars Book community as a whole first, and then as to why we are launching a podcast um obviously dan is our host um but i'll just say a couple of things if that's okay so um about two ish years ago uh, if i'm wrong someone correct me maybe maybe in three years ago um i joined instagram and noticed that there were a lot of people on instagram a lot of star wars book fans um doing the same thing but everyone was separate and i thought you know and i noticed that there was a lot of positivity on Instagram compared to the other social media platforms. So I decided to sort of try and bring everyone together and create the Star Wars book community. And the idea of it was, was just, you know, a, like a place where we can um, discuss things, um, encourage each other, share each other's work and promote uh, inclusivity and positivity in the Star Wars fan base. Because as you guys know, the Star Wars fan base is not the nicest place to be on the internet. Um, and it's gone well, you know, we've had a lot of interest, we have a lot of people um, join and come out, a lot of people like use our tags and uh, like all of our bits and pieces, and I feel like the range of creators we have are quite eclectic. So when um, Johnny, so Journal of the Worlds, when he really wanted to push the idea of a podcast, it just made sense, because there are a lot of podcasts out there, but the idea of a Star Wars book community one, which is like a constantly revolving um, sort of a, a sea of creators... Uh, just seemed to lend itself to the idea of a podcast that would probably be dynamic and and changeable and flowing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously this is our first one and Dan's already doing a wonderful job, Um, but bear with us. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But obviously, if if anyone listening to this um, is interested in doing anything this, we'll have some stuff at the end. Um, Dan will. um, That's about saying where we go from here. So, yeah, thank you, guys. Great. Cheers, Chris. We also have Jason with us. Hi, Jason. Hey, guys. This is Jason. I You might know me as This Dad Reads online. I've been doing book reviews and on Bookstagram for almost three years now. So I think pretty quickly after I joined, um, I was in, you know, kind of joined the Star Wars book community group online and have been chatting with a lot, all of you guys um, for a number of years now. And Stoked to be here. I I run a podcast myself. Uh, I run a review website. Um, I also write for Tatooine Times, reviewing comics and Star Wars books, and I review a lot of things um, in in Star Wars, but also out. And Star Wars is 
obviously very close to my heart, and so I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. And finally, we have Chelsea with us as well. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me here. I'm Chelsea. You may know me as a few different things online. Uh, on Instagram, I am ad astra libri, which is basically to the stars books in Latin. A lot of people ask me what that means. And I also run a weekly Star Wars newsletter called the Space Wizards Book Club. It comes out every week. And later this month, it'll be one year of that newsletter. So really excited about that. And honestly, I'm really excited to be here. I feel like this podcast is a long time coming and been with the Star Wars book community probably since I started regularly posting about Star Wars books and Star Wars stories probably two and a half years ago. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Great. So that's that's the uh, the group that we've got assembled today for this discussion of Path of Vengeance. Um, I'm just going to kick a general question out to the group before we start getting into the details. Um, I mean, overall thoughts. You know, we'll go around. We'll go around the group. What's everyone's overall thoughts uh, on Path of Vengeance? Um, I'm assuming there'll be plenty of positives here, uh, but just want to kick things off. And what do you think of the book overall, guys? I mean, for me personally, I loved it. Um, I mean, I think I said in my review, I don't, if I read it, but I, this was easily my most anticipated Star Wars book of the year because there's those are really cool ones coming out, like uh, the Inquisitor one and the uh, Kira one late in the year. Um, but the fact that this followed Path of Deceit and it was written by Kevin Scott, just I couldn't wait. And you know what? It, it lived up to expectations. It was a bit bigger than I was expecting, um, and I've didn't expect it to completely fully round up phase two as much as it did. I thought that would more fall to um, cataclysm. Um, but no, wonderful. Absolutely great. I definitely agree with that. I know, Chris, me and you were DMing each other like while we were both reading it and just like yeah. freaking out. <laughs> uh, oh, God, yeah. I, there were so many questions that it brought up. That, crazy. Yes, I know. I was like, did you catch this? Did, what do you think of this? Um, I agree. I mean, th when this book was first announced last year at um, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim, I mean, I was in the room for that panel, which was so cool, first of all, in the first place. But it, people freaked out, like Kevin writing a YA in phase two, like, so again, highly anticipated. And I do that thing that I probably, you know, we all do. We get our hopes really high, right? And things don't always go well <laughs> but um i am so glad to say that it lived up to all my expectations uh, i absolutely loved it i was the same way jason i had such high expectations for path of vengeance to the point where i was actually worried to start reading it <laughs> like i was like there's no i i think i put my hopes way too high for this book but i just was like, that just because it was kevin scott you didn't right, want to, have to die. yeah and i'm like i know <laughs> you know, based on Kevin's track record, I knew that I was going to cry. I knew that I was going to be like devastated. And then this was going to be an just excellent Star Wars book in general. Um, but it definitely met and exceeded my expectations. It was probably one of the darkest young adult books for sure. And possibly one of the, like the darkest like Star Wars books in general that I've read. Yeah, it's up there. And I love, I loved that. Um, it was very much like the entire time I'm reading, 
I'm just waiting for something bad to happen like over and over and over again. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's going to hit me. It's going to hit me. I know something bad's going to happen. I mean, I think the thing that made it even more, I mean, well, obviously when it was announced, like Jason said, that was exciting. But the thing that really ramped up the excitement was Path of Deceit was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like that came out of nowhere. Yeah. For sure. That's oh, one of my yes. favorites. My, my favorite Star Wars book, my favorite, oh, sorry, my favorite High Republic book is probably The Rising Storm. Which is obviously is written by Kevin Scott, but my second favorite is Path of Deceit. Yeah. So those two combined is what kind of what we got. Um, and yeah, oh god, amazing. I did not expect Path of Deceit to be that good. Like I didn't. None of us did. Not that I thought it was going to be bad. Like I, I was very excited for it. Plus, like the cover is gorgeous. But when I when I was like reading this, I'm like, is no one like? I need to talk to somebody about this. Like, this book is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Path of Deceit was amazing. Funnily enough, I've actually got a friend at the moment who's reading Path of Deceit for the first time and is like, got a message today being like, oh, I'm 60 pages in. I'm really enjoying it so far. And I'm just sitting there thinking, he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> we need more books written by Justina and Tessa, like together. Yes, They've done an original one, I think, but we need more Star Wars yes, books. Yes, I read them. that one. Oh, how was yeah. it? Sorry, for derailing. It was really good. Sorry, this isn't Star Wars. It's called Chaos and Flame. It's a duology. I think Chelsea read it too. Yes. Um, they're awesome together. Mm-hmm. Like I love that book. It's another YA. Um, it's a new. It's an original fantasy novel, but it was really good too. Yeah, and I feel that this book was definitely a, you know, a sequel to. I mean, it was a sequel to a lot of things, really, but it definitely felt like the sort of sequel slash spiritual sequel to Path of Deceit. Obviously, you know, dealing with. Marda and Yana and them quite literally having to deal with the characters that they lost in Path of Deceit as well. I thought Kevin Scott took what Justine Ireland and Tessa Grattan did really well and sort of did his own thing with it as well. And I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I'm a huge Kevin Scott fan. The Rising Storm is my favorite Star Wars book. So again, like you guys, huge expectation going into it and was not disappointed one bit, but as per usual, left heartbroken. well isn't that the fascinating thing about those characters and path of deceit must have been well when was that released autumn last year october Uh, yeah you know uh, so so it was less than six months old i think by the time celebration came around and already there were several marda cosplayers you know ready to go um you know by by april just this year you know, it, that book seems to have had a huge impact straight away. You know, I, I think it's a, fir- a firm favourite immediately. That's actually one of the things that worried me. And I, and I think a lot of that is mostly yeah, characters. Sorry. Um, that's actually one of the things that worried me about this, because, yes, it's wonderful, um, but the thing that made Path of Deceit so so good was the characters, specifically the character of, of Marda. And I was worried that some of that would get lost in translation to the new author. I mean, Kevin Scott's wonderful, but I didn't know, if, like, her, she was very much, you know, a Tessa and Justina's creation. Um, Yana, Yana as well, but Marda definitely more. Yeah, um, yeah. So. It, it, and I think that it, it was very interesting to see what Kevin did with those characters. And uh, as you say, there, there, there clearly is a transition there between authors Tessa uh, and Justina do feel like more traditional YA authors to me in the way they treat characters. And Kevin is, you know, Kevin is, and I say this with love, Kevin is very plot. 
<laughs> you know, he, he's it, it, there's a lot of momentum, there's a lot of plot, and I think sometimes there's maybe a risk that character there's not a lot of time to spend and sit with characters and their internal lives because there's so much going on in a Kevin Scott book. But I think I think he finds the balance really, really well here. Um, but, but there definitely is a difference between um, the characterizations, just in terms of how they come across. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I definitely agree with that, that Kevin's books are very plot forward. But I, I wrote in my notes here that I was really surprised at Path of Vengeance being both like very well paced, full of action, full of intensity. But I felt like I was really sitting with characters as well, particularly kind of our our main three. You have Marta, Yana, and Maddie. I feel like those are like the main uh, perspectives that we get in Path of Vengeance, and I felt like. I got to know each of them and their motivations even more in the book while all of this like literal warfare is like going on around them. Yeah. I think he does find the balance really, really well in this one. Um, To be fair, Rising Storm worked less well for me in that regard. Mm -hmm. I know lots of people love it. How dare you? Um, But, uh... (laughs) but, um, and I think that I think he succeeds here because he really does ruthlessly focus on, as you say, the, those three characters. And there's a load of other characters, and there's a load of other plot um, going on. I mean, it's such a chunky book, particularly for a YA book, um, because there's so much plot going on. But um, particularly the two sisters, I, I think it. It's not that they feel different to the way Tessa and Justina wrote them, but. Um, it, it, it's certainly there's a lot more momentum um, to the whole thing, uh, whereas you know Tessa and a lot of the other YA stuff in in, in Star Wars land f- feels a lot more introspective um, and, and sort of a little less propulsive than than this one did. Yeah, and I think one of the things that um, I I really sort of was surprised about by this book in sort of the best possible way is I obviously seen it as the last book coming out. So I've expected it to be, you know, um, the book that, you know, really like finishes phase two, which it definitely did, but I felt, you know, cataclysm obviously ended, you know, with the Republic and the Jedi and sort of put a, put a, a final point on that whole storyline. Whereas I felt like path of vengeance, even though it, perfectly finished phase two it was much more from the perspective of Marda and Yana and Matty like the three main characters of the book it really felt like it was an end of their story as much Mm. as it was an end of the phase and particularly you know the final I know we're going right to the end of the book here but like the final you know chapter being about Marda setting off in the gaze electric and it really feeling like the end at least for now, the end of her story. I, I was kind of surprised that that was what they were doing with this book, but it worked perfectly for me, if that makes sense. I think that's possibly like one of the... You've touched on there, that last bit. Um, it's possibly well, not, not a criticism, but I feel I feel like it. it's why a lot, some people have found it difficult to connect to Phase 2. Um, and, and it's also part of the reason why I found it difficult to disconnect from Phase 2. Um, the... Phase one is our main story. And and you can argue that, but I feel like phase one and phase three is our main story. And phase two only exists to support phase one. So a lot of people 
found it hard to connect because it just wasn't as important to them. Whereas for me, I found it hard to disconnect because I fell in love with these characters and I don't want to let them go. Specifically, Marjorie and Yana. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it, are there any of the Jedi characters that people have really connected to in Phase Two? Mm. Maddie. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe Maddie. That's Maddie. I. Kev Mo. I think Gela for me. Oh, Gela's great. Specifically, the 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 Gela Axel of convergence mm-hmm. and cataclysm was probably from mm-hmm. a Jedi point of view where I connected to the most. But I, I guess the point you're leading on to is probably. Where most people found themselves connecting was probably Marda and Yana, and you know perhaps the villains. Which the mother's a great quite character. Interesting turn, yeah, yeah, and oh, like yes. Tay, yeah. and yeah. I, I guess for for me, I, th- I think I I definitely found it hard to connect to a lot of the Jedi characters during this phase, uh, particularly in the early part, and that might just be just a, a certain degree of. Just character fatigue, you know, because they all die. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, you don't want to get too attached, so you know what these authors are like. No, I, mean, but... I agree, mate. Because you've got Creighton's son, you've got Charil Roy, and then you've got Vildar Mac, and they're all just free white bearded dudes to me. I don't, I don't even know if they're all white and bearded, but in my head, that's how I saw them. So it was hard to sort of differentiate that between them. I mean, Creighton's son was fine. Um, I think Vildar Mac, I'll probably connect to a little bit more, just because. The comics were really good. Um, but no, I agree. Like, out of all the, the um, Jedi, it's really Kevmo and mm. Gela and Matty. That's it. I mean, even Olivia in this book, I didn't really like. And that's not just because she's meant to be unlikable. It's because I never... Obviously, there's a big reveal at the end. But her motivations were never clear to me, even at the end. Um, mm. So I don't know if any of you yeah, agree with that. Yeah, I wish we got more time... Yeah, I think I wish we got more time with Olivia. Um, I think, you know, the reveal that, you know, about her relation to the mother, I think ended up being pretty significant plot wise. Um, But I just uh, it's a very small criticism in the grand scheme of what I Mm -hmm. thought was an amazing book. But I I do sort of feel it got lost a little bit purely because we hadn't had as much time to spend with Olivia beforehand. Yeah, exactly. She almost needed her own book. Yeah, I feel like there wasn't enough. You're right. There wasn't enough time with her. I was almost like, wait, who is she? Like, uh, maybe it would have been. Should have that have been Maddie? Maybe would that have like been more of like a reveal? And I don't know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, weirdly, that reveal was made in ancillary content, wasn't it? That Alicia's surname was attached to a picture of her in. Uh, an online video back in January. Was that? Yeah, was that's that it. What it was? I thought. Yeah, it was uh, but, but but I couldn't remember where I'd seen it. So I, I I actually I went trolling through Path of the Seat to try to find it. And it wasn't there in there. I was like, where did I see this before? And I, I tracked it down online, and there, there was some sort of promotional Phase Two video uh, with sort of mm. character art and that sort of thing. And there she is, Alicia Zeveron. Wow. Hmm. I mean, which is very odd. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can only really imagine it was. Not intentional. I mean, maybe, right. maybe they didn't intend for that, that to be the... Because, I guess, because of that promotional video, I knew that there was some sort of connection between the two. I didn't know exactly what. Mm. But even still, when the reveal, like, happened in the book, I was still shocked. And I think, I think, Jason, you just said it, it was like, we needed... I feel like we needed more time, or I wanted more time with 
Olivia and then also just more of the dynamic between like Olivia and the mother you know like I want more of that kind of like backstory because that's I feel like that's a huge story in itself and that like dynamic and you know the things about are we doing spoilers we're doing like spoiler yeah we're doing spoilers okay um like the because I felt like in the same the same chapter span of pages or breath or whatever um it was also revealed that the mother is so sick because she also has some force sensitivity that so was i'm really like you're getting this one was. thing that her sister you know is a jedi and that's why she doesn't you know like the jedi and she feels a certain way about them and then at the same time you're like she's so sick because she also like has the you know abilities that she hates so much so it was a it was a bit of a whirlwind <laughs> that you know chapter two reading mm. that um and i wanted yeah. more i wanted like more of that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yep i would totally agree we were talking about this a minute ago but i just felt like towards the end of the book i was like this cannot be the end of these characters like there's so much more that i want to know and like sit with like like you just said chelsea the the mother and olivia relationship and you know how it, I, I think I was probably expecting more of the Nile like handoff to be more explicit mm-hmm. in Path of Vengeance. And I wouldn't say I was disappointed that it wasn't, but I was just like, well, we need to know that story. Like we, that it can't be the end, mm-hmm. right? Like it just can't. So yeah. I, I don't know whether it's going to be in the YA anthology. I know a lot of kind of little stories are going to be told in that, but some of these stories deserve novels of their own or comic runs of their own. So yeah, I like you, yeah. like we said earlier. I, I'm finding it hard to detach myself from these characters as well, um, yeah. and just hoping it's not the last we see of them. They sort of feel like comic miniseries waiting to happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know if I feel like I need a novel for some of this stuff, but certainly I, I want. More. I wouldn't say no you to know, a novel. I, I'd happily. <laughs> I said something? I wouldn't say no to a novel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I never say no to novels, but you know, my 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 stack of stuff to read is already yeah. massive. So, I think I think it is with like really great credit to all the High Republic authors that Phase Two has really been so good that people aren't ready for it to end. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I guess it is in a way a, a sort of a minor criticism of the phase as a whole, but I more see it as a, a positive that it's been for me so good and so surprising. Uh, that, like, I completely agree with everyone. You get to the end of the book and you're like, wait, surely we we need more Marder. Not just be- not because there's unanswered questions, which I'm sure will be answered, but I want them answered from Marder's point of view, right. mm-hmm. specifically because mm-hmm. she's such a great character. So it is with great credit to all the writers that Phase Two has sort of ended, and we're all like, oh, but can we get more? Can we get like a Phase <laughs> Two and a half? I want to see Marder make the Nile. I want to see the first. Yeah. I want to know. I want to see her make the Nile. I want to see how her people, or Yana's people, I assume, whoever's looking after the leveler at the beginning of the Rising Storm on that weird icy planet. I want to know who they are, how that works. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Just give me like a mini series, yeah. a comic mini series or something. That's that's all I need. But like, there's there's more story here. There's got to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I went back and reread those chapters of the Rising Storm this morning just to refresh myself on them, and, and and just to see if there was anything that sort of made more sense now, or sort of more or explicitly connected the dots. Um, 
There, there wasn't particularly. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the lady who Marchion uh, meets there is called Kufa, I think. Uh, I, I couldn't really tie that name to anything. But um, yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I, I think there, there are definitely stories to be told. Um, sort of to, to draw those lines a bit more, a bit more clearly. Well, my Can... assumption was that these people were like the remnants of the path or something like that mm-hmm. that had became yeah. sort of caretakers from the leveler because Martian yeah. calls them his people, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. But he like treats them like like not disgust, but like he's not that interested. So I was always no. wondering that because Yarn's responsible felt responsible, did she take the leveler? Did she put it on ice and then sort of guard it? You know, while Marda went in, you know. Rode, rode the storm, shall I say? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, and there are other remnants of the path, or offshoots of the path, and other on other planets, aren't there? Because mm-hmm. we've got um, in the young, or the, the young Jedi adventures, the High Republic adventures comic run in Phase One, uh, the, the planet where we first meet Zine. Um, there's the uh, the Grand Elder Tromac, mm-hmm. who's obviously one of the littles here in in, in Phase oh, Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. Marta like talks to him. Yeah, he's like one of the little kids. And I think they already confirmed that that cult is somewhat of an offshoot of the the path, yeah. but they mm-hmm. haven't confirmed how yet. Right. Oh God, the second man. Which explains why they're also suspicious of of, of the of people with the force ability and why Zine is shunned by her friend, etc. Oh, et that makes well, that makes a lot of sense now. Actually, yep. So, so kind of, it's almost like the path is sort of fragmented and there, there, there are little pockets here and there and obviously Marchion does his little sort of tour getting artifacts from lots of lots of different places um and sort of getting his game together um in phase one. Oh, that makes sense for that that's why the rod would be there yeah of course mm-hmm. i will say i don't know if this is like now. connecting this conversation at all but i need i've needed people to talk to about this since i was reading path of vengeance <laughs> And since I watched the playthrough of Jedi Survivor and having read mm. Padawan by Kirsten White, oh, guys, God, I know what, is, say. <laughs> what is, thank you, what is, what is um, Planet X and Tanalore and Lenar? Are they all one planet? Are they different planets that are very, very similar? They've got to be. Like, what is going on They're here? So like, similar. it has to be the same place. They're so yeah. similar. Because in, what is it? in Padawan, it's basically like the planet is sentient, isn't it? Like kind it's, it's yeah. old yeah. or basically sentient, something like that, and it it's uh, the the um not like is it a storm or something? I can't remember. In- the veil they call it like the ve- they call it something, and it's like protected by yeah. Like this, yeah, it's hard to get to. You can't get to it. You have to like all three of them are yes by that same thing, that, and that can't be a coincidence. Yeah, and then like that in- hasn't had been mentioned in stars before. It- Within two years, we get three planets doing that. Right, and. I mean, the other one to throw into that mix is the, uh, the the strange planet that Yoda goes to in season six of the Clone Wars, which and I went back and watched that again recently as well, and it presents slightly differently to Planet X, but it's a similar idea. Oh yeah, you know? the one where he learns how to do the Force thing. Exactly. I was I was having a uh, just as you guys were talking there, my mind just sort of like. I had never considered that before and then suddenly you just said that and I just completely lost concentration because I was just <laughs> in my head being like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, Tanalor's Planet X, isn't it? And I was, my head was going all over the place. I'm not sure. I wonder if it, they will 
connect confirm any of that but now you've mentioned it i can't stop thinking that that might actually that was me i'm like scouring reddit scouring anything i'm like is anyone talking about this like and you did um, send me a lot of messages about it i I did (laughs) i thought i had like i thought i had like cracked the code i was like i figured it out but then most people are like oh no they're different places but or maybe it's kind of maybe that's part of the story maybe that's part of how I don't know, Martyr or someone, they did a number of planets and protected them and put, I don't know, who knows? Oh, yeah, like uh, they put the protection on a number of planets. I mean, they have to overtly say that they're the same planet. If, you know, they can just infer it as long as it's not, if if it's not some convoluted plot point. Right. It just can't be a coincidence, right? Like it's too, they're too similar. No, No. indeed, indeed. I mean, of all of the candidates, I I think certainly Tanalore and Planet X. both sort of being tied into High Republic-ish storylines. Right. It, it feels, you know, and, 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 you know, if you've played Jedi Survivor all the way through and, uh, you know, spoilers too for Jedi Survivor, um, you know, that, that sort of last, one of those last sense echoes that you come to on Tanalore uh, and you hear Oppo Rancisis mm-hmm. talking about the Nihil being about to overrun their position. Right. Which just, just excited me so much because I, I thought at that point... Are we going to Tanalore in Phase Three? Is is this a story that we're oh, going to get? Is, is that actually you know? And then are they then going to maybe join the dots between Planet X and Tanalore? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know the the whole array that, that that you get involved with in the game, sort of being their way to actually access it safely, as opposed to having to do this sort of suicide run that uh, the folk have to do in Path of Vengeance. And funnily enough, I literally just started reading Padawan today. And right at the beginning <laughs> of that book, it's obviously about Obi-Wan finding out that all of Jereni went off to this yes. planet. So now yeah. it's all connecting even yes. more for me. Okay, my mind has been blown officially. Do you know what, though? I said to Jason when he came to me with his theory, I said, I always, I always had a theory myself that when they were conceiving the High Republic or what their next big public initiative would be, they based it on the New Jedi Order books from legends not completely plot wise but they were like they must have said we need to do a new new jedi order um and it obviously you know a big publishing initiative um multiple books a year multiple uh, authors telling one big overarching story um but if you remember new jedi order there was another book that wasn't part of the njo but tied into them called rogue planet uh, yeah, right, I remember it very, very well. And that is, uh, that's a similar thing, isn't it? To Padawan yeah. with this. I, I can't remember if the planet is sort of sentient or has a higher intelligence, but it's definitely alive. Well, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be the same it. planet or anything like that, but I reckon they were inspired by that. By that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Wow. I mean, it's yeah, it's so, interesting stuff, man. Yeah, that's, that's the, the planet in Kenobi felt spin. very like that. <laughs> um, I guess that's a good, uh, good place for us to sort of dig into uh, sort of uh, the plot and the sort of some of the, the big moments from the plot more specifically. Um, I guess sort of my uh, question that I'd sort of pose to, to the group is, you know, what were some of the sort of the, the highlight moments for you in terms of the, the story in this, in this book, what were some of the moments that, you know, made you scream or shout or, uh, you know, hide under the covers because the horror was happening. Uh, so what, what specifically plot wise uh, really excited people with this, with this book? You know, for me, honestly, I, I would, I would find it very, very hard to pick out particular moments. And partly that's because, 
Kevin Kevin's so successful at just driving the plot forward all the time. That and 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 it's not that things didn't have sort of time to breathe or really sink in, but I just I just wanted to keep pushing forward, you know. Um, and his blessedly short chapters helped me do that. You know, so I just kept blasting, um, almost to the point where I was probably reading too fast and and individual things, individual events, maybe did, didn't quite, didn't stick with me uh, uh, as well as maybe events in other books did. So much so that you know, t- today I basically had to, uh, I re-listened to the whole thing at double speed on audio because the audio book finally landed today just to kind of remind myself of the plot points because there's so much stuff and it goes by so, so quickly. I'd be intrigued to hear what everybody else has to say about things that really stuck with them. I think for me, anything with Yana, I mean, I'm, I'm a massive martyr simp. I've made that quite clear. Um, but anything with Yana, this was her book, I think. Um, and the whole subplot of, I, I feel like she was the, 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 avatar, the avatar for the audience. And anything to do with, with her um, and, and with the Herald, that whole plot line, her in, in, re-infiltrating her own people, was great um and then the really shocking moment obviously spoilers we've said we said spoilers that all leads up to her confrontation with Marda again and Marda chops her hand off like she's a skywalker or something you know um basically everything with yana i feel like the the jelly characters were more in support roles um but in terms of actual like standout events i am struggling to be honest because I'm I, every time I think of an event, I'm like, no, that was cataclysm. No, that was cataclysm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That they take they take place at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think so. um, the the moment that you brought up with the hand getting chopped off, I'm pretty sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is within the same scene where sort of the mother weirdly sort of tricks uh, Marda into sort of. Taking does she she takes the level of rod for herself, doesn't she? And you know, the whole path sort of almost bows before her. Is that all within that same scene within the cave? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that was one of the moments for me where I was just sort of like shouting a book, like, oh no, Marda, for goodness sake, why are you doing yeah, it's, this? It's, I thought it's when Marda yeah. goes beast mode. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that was that was probably like the highlight chapter where I just sort of like had to put the book down and breathe for a little bit and be like, Oh, for goodness sake, I thought we were going to redeem Marda, but no, <laughs> she's gone full bad. Oh, actually, just just to interject, there's one bit that I did really like, and there's another connection here, which I think I told um, Jason, actually. You might remember me talking, talking about this. Um, the scene where they go to Planet X, um, and Marda kind of stows away. She has that big sort of fallout beef with the mother, and she uh, stows away on the ship with her new sexy boyfriend and they go to this planet and they get the eggs and then when on the way back because you've got the is it shay something like that i can't remember there's a lot of new path members in this book but one of the ships disappears it gets destroyed um now if you've read the nameless terror you'll know if you made the connection that that ship yes. didn't get destroyed it kind of yeah. got i don't know what happened where we went for a wormhole got pulled out of hypers i can't remember exactly the exact details but that's the ship that ends up with um, fighting Rock and whatever that guy's name is <laughs> in the Nameless Terror, um, and you know that that's that crew. Um, and I really, I really loved that connection because I loved the Nameless Terror. So um, that was that was a really cool scene. But also, like 
it's strange because we're talking about earlier, but that whole moment on Planet X where they are um, taking the eggs and then they're escaping, I got massive Padawan vibes. And not just because the planet sort of connection, just the feel of that, those moments really reminded me of some of the moments in Padawan. I definitely see that. I I loved all of the moments and the, just the time they spent on Planet X because, it, again, just like the planet in Padawan um, and Tantalor, that it's like the idea of like a really mysterious planet, you know, or possibly sentient, quasi-sentient planet is really fascinating. And I think besides that, my other favorite scenes were any of the scenes where... Marta and Yana were haunted by their dead lovers. <laughs> yes, we have not the, talked about that. Was <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And I, I can't remember, I feel like one of you I like messaged on Instagram when we got the physical copies um, of Path of Vengeance. And I looked at the back cover and it was like a passage where Marta is talking to Kevmo, and on the back cover, it's not clear that he's a, a ghost, you know, or he's like a hallucination or something like that of hers. So I'm like, oh my god, like if he if he resurrected, like what is happening? Yeah, because obviously we don't know what happens with the levelers, do we? So that is plausible. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't know that they definitely die. I mean, it's quite clear they do, but it's all still new, isn't it? And that reminds me actually, there's one point. Um, the big reveal of uh, the mother at the end, the fact that she's Force-sensitive, kind of suggests that when the Levelers... Well, when the Leveler... Because Leveler's just one. That was another cool reveal in this book, that they're the Shrieker are the Nameless, but that very first one is the Leveler, and that's his name, or its name. Um, and that's the same one that comes back in the Phase 2 books. I really like that connection. But one thing is there's, there's a sort of a... There's intention there, because... Obviously, if you remember in Path of Deceit, it, it's just born and it just wraps like one tendril around Ke- Kevmo's sort of ankle and Kevmo sort of slowly turns to dust and dies. But that that, that guy was all over the mother, like on, on her shoulder, on her lap, touching her all the time. And she's also force sensitive. So obviously there is some kind of, there is some intention behind that. They can't, it, you know, they, it's something they can turn on and off, which I thought was quite uh, interesting. I wonder as well if it has something to do with how force sensitive someone is. If, if if there's at least a little bit of that in to to explain why Alicia isn't more profoundly affected more quickly. I, I think they're quite vague deliberately, so you can read it a couple of ways. Yeah, I think it's all in the midichlorian count. And that'll be it. <laughs> I swear to God, if they mention midichlorian, I'm out. I wonder what it has to do with. You know, like there's, you know, we've we've seen stories of of uh, Jedi kind of cutting themselves off from the Force for their own safety or well-being, things like that. Like they don't, they're not like, you know, it doesn't fully go away. But I'm wondering if there's like that element with the mother Alicia, in that she she knows that she is Force sensitive, and she kind of suppresses it but you know, eventually it's going to come out you know you don't just no but she is using it though she's using it to uh persuade people oh that's she? true yeah and her what is her visions her force vision or... yeah they're rubbish though i think aren't they 
<laughs> I think she's made them up. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with you, though. And obviously, there is a lot of um, examples of people cutting stuff off from force. I mean, Luke Skywalker being the most obvious mm-hmm. one um, in The Last Jedi. I mean, he did actually fully cut himself off, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, yeah, there's, again, it's just more questions. More questions. But that, that, that's the best Star Wars. A- a- answering questions is, 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 all, is good and everything, but you want to be left with more questions than you had at the start. It's not for you know? me, right? It's what you can do. There's one question that I'm really shocked we haven't had answered yet. And it was one that I was really certain we were going to get. And if you remember at the end of Midnight Horizon, Yoda returns back from his sojourn to wherever, yep. probably Planet X, um, with a person wrapped all in bandages from 150 years ago. And that's the last moment of Midnight Horizon. And it's like, and next we're going to phase two. So I was like, oh, great, we're going to find out who that person is. I have no idea who that person is. And we've finished phase two. Oh, my goodness. I completely forgot about that person. Who is that person? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a row, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. Yana? Well, no, because we know it's not. We know it's not Marda because Marda is presumably dead. Because if you read Eye of the Storm, if you mm. really think about it, if you read some reading yeah. the lines, I think Marda is Martian's great great grandma. Yeah, I don't yeah. think yeah. 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 yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, but it could be Yana. I mean, we don't know how long they live. No, no, we don't. It could be, it could be a very, very old Yana. I mean. Vanessa Rose living all the way to the Acolyte, so who knows? <laughs> That's true. I, I guess in sort of tying into that as well, I guess the other thing that sort of took me quite a bit by surprise was the sort of strange revelation that the member of the path, Shay, was pregnant with Mary Santeca. Yes. Yeah, what? <laughs> yes. I knew <laughs> it. I... I knew it. I was like, "Uh oh, she created a path through something." I'm like, "Something's connected to yeah to Mari somehow." Yeah, so that brought loads of questions. Suddenly, I can't remember what they are. We're sort of dealing with the fact that Mari Santeca sort of came from the path as well, which I guess makes sense because she Mm -hmm. creates paths and you know it rhymes. But that sort of had me scratching my head, thinking that is not something I was expecting. But it's cool. What do you think, like Shay? Like meets a Santeca and she becomes an adopted Santeca, the kid. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I guess I think they're off to somewhere civilized, like Alderaan, at the end there. So it sounds like a nice planet where she, you know, just marry might end up, you know, settling down and marrying a nice Santeca fella. Like we also want to. <laughs> you know? Maybe it's no more complicated than that. Yeah, as long as it's not the graphs, they're dodgy. No, they're well dodge. <laughs> Okay, I guess what well, we could uh, we sort of we we've sort of discussed the plot there. Um, I guess one of the other things that we have obviously been discussing quite extensively, but I guess we could really dig in uh, sort of a bit more specifically is, is character-wise. Um, obviously, we talked very much about like so. It sounds like the most of our favorite characters seem to be Marda, Yana, um, but more specifically about sort of the the character arcs uh, throughout the story, where you know where. Kevin Scott chose to take the characters from the beginning to the end. And if anyone had any sort of surprise standout characters in the book, uh, for, I mean, for me personally, I'll just throw it out there. Bokana, is it Bokana? The Avician uh, new 
path boyfriend for Marder just ended up being a character that I really, really liked for some reason. He just seemed quite fun and charming. And then it was quite sad when he died. And, you know, I thought it was, he was an important character to the story because he essentially drove Marder down a darker path than, you know, she probably would have gone down had he not sort of perished in the way that he did. Um, I'll sort of throw that firstly out to to you guys, whether there was any of the sort of like newer or sort of more, not, I don't want to say minor characters, but some of the sub characters who really stood out to you. And then, and then we can move on to sort of, you know, character moments and sort of arcs that really stood out for you guys. I have to say, I, I did find first time through, I, I did find um, Bukana and Marla's relationship with Bukana. And it, it, it took me a while to get into it. I kind of thought, I kind of wondered, well, is it just there because Kevin's realized he's writing a YA book and he's got this chuck a romance in? Um, because that's what happens in YA books. But actually, he, he does a really good job, I think, of making it work in, in terms of the thematics, in terms of Marta's journey, uh, in, in, and certainly in terms courtesy of what he does with Bacana and, and sort of Bacana's latent connection to, to the force that sort of comes to the fore during the Planet X escapade um, and the impact that that has on Marta and her journey as well. Um, so, so it kind of, it kind of I think he pulled it off, um, so it, it felt meaningful and worthwhile, but I kind of wonder if it hadn't been a YA title that he'd been tasked with, if Bacana would exist at all. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a bit of an apologist for YA, to be honest, um, especially in Star Wars. I mean, this isn't completely exclusive. Um, it's, 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 I'm, I'm generalizing here, but most of the YA books read very similar to most of the other books. I mean, they're they're, they're sort of line, isn't it? That that the the characters are younger. The te- the characters are teenagers. That's why they're YA. I mean, the dialogue and the prose is maybe a little bit simpler. Um, but I don't think there's any real differences in plot, really, um, that I can remember no, from any YA. Yeah. Maybe maybe some of the ones like uh, maybe Pro Dameron Freefall or Force Collector were definitely skewed a bit younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. But most of the other ones don't. Like Most Wanted, uh, Ahsoka, you know, I don't think they do. Yeah. No, the I, mean, I, I see very little difference here in, in terms of the way Kevin approaches the story the, the, between this and Rising Storm, you know, it, it, they they read in, in in terms of the the prose style, in terms of the, the sort of the, the the complexity of the language, it, they they feel the same to me, you know, just just with that extra um, uh, extra little bit of YA ish romance in this case, and I guess we we, we got a, we got a slightly more um, adult um, bum chicka wah with Elzar Man in. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. In the rising storm, but you know, um, it, 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 you're right. In general, the writing between the YA and the adult stuff is very, very similar. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry, that, that got me. So, didn't, didn't expect that. <laughs> you weren't expecting a bomb check a wow Elzar man reference. No, I mean you're not wrong though. You're not wrong. Yeah, he's a he's a thirsty boy. <laughs> well, you know, the Rising Storm is literally all about how the Jedi get caught with their pants down, and well, they're robes down, I guess. Didn't resist actually having one of the Jedi caught with his pants down. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. 
Sorry, I was just going to jump in. Uh, Jason or Chelsea, do you guys have sort of a, a standout sort of minor sub-character, new character in this book that sort of really captured your imagination? I'd probably say um, Bokana too. I, I think I'm in the same camp of, at first, I was not annoyed, but I didn't see as much of a point of, like, her having another relationship. Um... Maybe because I also just loved Kevmo so much, and I just loved their dynamic. And I, I, I love romance in any book, so that that's not a problem for me. Um, and I think we need more romance in Star Wars, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I felt like once they got to Planet X, and I saw more of their dynamic, and them talking, and just kind of like their motivations and how they kind of built each other up in, in, in certain ways, maybe not in like the positive ways, but just how they influenced each other. Um, and I honestly, I wasn't shocked when he died. I kind of figured that would be coming um, just because Marta is one of those characters where not necessarily like things just happen to her, but like she is one of those characters that there's going to be, a lot of heartbreak and trauma. I just kind of like felt that vibe. And I think her and Yana both like kind of exposition, you know, narrate the fact that their, their race of people, the Everreni are like cursed, you know, to basically just not be like happy and, you know, things like that. So it wasn't at all surprising to me what happened with her, her new, boyfriend um but yeah i still thought like he was still a, a pretty standout character i mean she has to get to the point doesn't she where she creates denial so plenty of bad things are gonna have to happen aren't they right like we i feel like we all knew that she wasn't gonna get like a happy ending like a tidy little happy ending of you know of just kind of sailing off into the the stars <laughs> um and just like living out peacefully with a bunch of people and kind of reforming the path or anything like that uh she was going to have or she's going to have to live with these these traumas and these tragedies that happened to her and as it's in the book's title there's going to be a level of like vengeance like she wants some sort of vengeance or justice in her own way yeah, and I'll say I would echo what everyone said. Um, this might be a little bit of a cheat, but I liked having Tay Sirik and Vildar Mac like like make appearances. Um, I would call them relatively minor characters in this novel. I just really liked seeing their dynamic and them coming from the comic with Maddie, obviously, um, into this format. So I just any all of their scenes, I just love them, and um, their bromance is just like flourishing. And yeah, I thought that was really nice. I mean, yeah, if, if I can throw uh, one out, well, a couple more in there, if that's okay. Um, the Herald, he had he had mm, more of a, yes, a role in yeah. this one because in The Path of Deceit, he was kind of overshadowed by the mother, I think. Um, and then in the comics, he started to really come into his own. But in this one, he was quite a complex character, I felt. Like, he was, you know, he had murky motivations, but there's obviously some affection and care there because of, his daughter, uh, daughter's relationship with Yana. Um, 
so yeah, I really liked I really liked him in this book. I didn't like him, but I liked that character. Uh, and the other one I liked far out there as well is the feisty little sheriff lady. You know, the one that's like Holly Hunter, you know what I mean, in the oh, town. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> just really hates everyone. It's like I constantly about her. Yeah, yes. she was great. Yeah, who sort of solved the, the soup mystery. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, God, yeah, that whole thing. Man, this book was great. There's so much in this book. There really is, though. That's the thing. There's all these little tiny side plots going on, um, and, and yet it kind of works, you know? Um Again, I think courtesy of all the very, very, very short chapters. So you you never feel like you're away too long from something else. So you know, so you, yeah, at, at some point you're with Sheriff Pickwick and uh, the the Jedi figuring out the soup poisonings. Um, but very, very quickly you're back on Planet X or or, or somewhere else. You know, um, it just it works really, really well. What were you going to say, Chelsea? Sorry. Oh, no problem. I was going to say that I loved any time that the non-Jedi, non-Path members who are, like, living on Dalna show up. Because they just, all of them just appear to just be so, like, oh my god, just please leave us alone. Like, both of you. Like, I'm, they're, they're so sick of the Path, but they're also sick of the Jedi and the Republic, and they just want to be left alone. And I so appreciate that. <laughs> I really liked there's that one path member who like isn't it Matty and Olivia start like railing him about his beliefs and then he just kind of runs away like leave me alone. And yeah. I also remember that bit. And then they see him again uh, later. Yeah. He's just an exasperated path member who like really stressed out. And I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chelsea, I, I agree with that. I, I found that quite <laughs> interesting as well, particularly um, sort of having read. Is it Mission to Disaster from Phase One, which takes place on Downer? Mm-hmm. And there's this constant thing yes. about how they don't like the Jedi because of something that happened in the past. And obviously, you know, this book and Cataclysm aren't answer what happened in the past and why it's sort of hidden off the records and stuff. But I did think it was a nice touch to just also get a little bit of like, you know, the town folk on Downer. Also, the perspective of like, look, these Jedi are in here causing trouble. These path people are causing trouble. We just want to be left alone and farm and drink our soup and live in peace. <laughs> drink our poison drink. soup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing I'd like to ask you guys as well. I mean, I know Dan's host, but I thought I'd just throw this out there as well. Um, how do how do you feel like this work? Because usually when this happens, when they tie in a couple of books together around a single event. There's usually some inconsistencies and things like that. So how did you guys think this worked with Cataclysm? And specifically, um, and the Battle of Jeddah, I guess, because that whole bit ties in as well, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, how, how did that guys work for you? How did that work for I you guys? I really... Oh, I thought it worked really well. Me too. I would say I, I don't think I understood what they were doing until I was really into Path of Vengeance because obviously these are there's concurrent stories happening and I just feel like that's not what we're used to and so once I started kind of realizing after the Battle of Jeddah came out that it's like oh these are just different POV books you know and I was like I like that a lot and especially like we said before being able to come back to some of those characters who have been very missing <laughs> like Marta and Yana of course and so it made a lot of sense i feel like it it kind of rounded out the entire phase cuz you can see the 
the the pairings, right? Like the YA pairings and then the middle grade pairings. And then, yeah. And just having that central audio drama as the middle, like, I think I just appreciated what they were trying to do as a whole by the time I finished this book. Yeah. The the, the back half of this phase really brought it all together. I, I, I think I was struggling a bit uh, with the first wave. It, it it felt a little bit more bitty and disconnected. Um but certainly by the end of actually it was cataclysm for me that really started to bring this whole phase together for me. And then path of vengeance just nailed that because it goes right back to the, you know, it's in, th- it's in three parts, isn't it? Sort of part one, the battle of Jeddah. So you're kind of, it goes right, even though you've read cataclysm, you've gone all the way up to the battle of Dalna already in cataclysm. Path of vengeance takes you right back and gives you, okay, this is these characters point mm-hmm. of view on the Battle of Jeddah and then everything that happened after and then the Battle of Dalna. Um, it, it, it was, yeah, it, it worked really, really well just tying it all together. It is really interesting to think back to how kind of the wave, wave one books were really leading up to the Battle of Jeddah, but then the Battle of Jeddah was leading up to this, you know, Battle of Dalna and the Night of Sorrow. And looking back, I'm like, everything was really leading to this kind of huge, you know, pun intended, cataclysmic battle. And I I don't think I was really expecting to get another story about the Battle of Dalna, just because we had just read about it in Cataclysm. But I really appreciated seeing those perspectives. And even with, I don't know if you all have read the new manga that just came out, the Edge of Balance. Not yet. Um, yes. So like you're, and then with that, you're getting even a little bit more di- differ, different perspective of this battle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it makes it an even like on a even grander scale and just how, how large this was and how tragic it was mm-hmm. and intense and things like that. Yeah. And I feel like that really helped to, to make it like that. And um, I almost felt like cataclysm and path of vengeance are, it was really interesting to see an adult book and a young adult book tell, you know, very similar stories or like tell the same story, the same event, but in different perspectives and different ways. I don't know if we've ever seen something like that in other, in other star Wars books. Mm. So. I think maybe uh, Jedi Academy and I Jedi, don't they take place roughly about the same time? I think. Yeah. Um, But then there was one beautiful moment actually, uh, which, which stood out for me was in cataclysm, uh, I think it's Gellar, I can't remember, comes across a character and they're like, we're now called the Path of the Closed Fist out mm-hmm. of nowhere. And I was like, what? I was like, cool, that's cool, I guess, but what? And obviously in Path of Vengeance, you see that whole scene where that mm-hmm. becomes a thing. It's Marder's beast mode scene. And that, you know, that I loved that little connection there. And there's a couple of little connections as well. Like, um, I think you see uh, Ziri and Fantu in the ship at one point they come and fly past and you're like, oh, so this would have been after that bit where they went into the barn to get the bit from Cataclysm. Like there was, there was quite a few little yeah. moments like that. Which I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely had a lot of moments when I was reading Cataclysm uh, of like, you know, they'd, they'd come across another Jedi husk and I was like, wait a minute, 
where's this Jedi come from? You know, we haven't had a POV chapter explaining why this Jedi's here. And then obviously when you pair that together with Path of Vengeance, it's like, oh, okay, this now as a whole makes complete sense. And and that's not a criticism at all. It's just, it was an interesting experience of like, like the closed fist moment and, you know, some Jedi husks appearing out of nowhere. Yeah, there's there's that moment as well where in in Cataclysm where I think it's Creighton's son gets like um a sort of a comm connection and they're like, Hey, we're also Jedi and we're also in the tunnels, but you're never gonna hear from us again for the rest of this book. And you're like, What? And then you realise that they were in this book, but they're not really a major part. They were the ones that come at the end, is it that guy that come to investigate um Cadmos' parents? If someone tell me his name, he's in Quest of Jedi as well. Aslan, Aslan. Yeah, yeah, he's in precedent too. He's like the main one yeah, of the main so guys he, in the manga. He's mentioned in Cataclysm as like just radios in from one of the tunnels, and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. But no, it totally makes sense. I really like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if 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 you're looking for nitpicks, there might be stuff there to pick at in terms in terms of things maybe not entirely joining up or or just. I think for me, the character of um, is it Binot Ullo in Cataclysm? Yeah. He's sort of you know he's kind of like the you know the main path antagonist character through most of that book, you know, and and he's nowhere to be seen really in in Path of Vengeance. And I guess that's because you're not really spending that much time with the mother in Path of Vengeance because you're you're seeing it through other characters' eyes for the most part. But you know, you know. I, I, I guess maybe if you did sort of the, the forensic side by side reading, it would all line up. But it's sort of the, that that sort of the absence of that character or a reference to that character, I think, just gives me pause and makes me think maybe they just didn't want to have to think too hard about how it all lined up exactly no, scene for scene. You know, there's 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 a clear line with the mother actually in Cataclysm because she's in the first I'd say I'd say half, but I think that's being generous. It's more like the first third of the book, and then she just stops being in it. Yeah. And she isn't mentioned again, other than like again a com- conversation towards the end of the book, and it's quite clear to see that moment is when she enters the Path of Vengeance story. Mm. Um, so she kind of like, here's Binot, here's your mission, you know, go ahead, you're going to do great, and then the whole Axel thing. But then after that, that's it, and she kind of moves over to the whole Marda drama yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, in the cataclysm there definitely is a bit where binot, binot comes back to the mother and that they do have a scene together sort of while it's all kicking off um and, and she tells him to go out and fight for glory etc etc and you know i i don't know exactly where that fits in in terms of what's going on in path of vengeance around that time but i mean i think i, th- I think the success of both books is that it doesn't matter <laughs> you know you you you're you're you know the, the, the story of each Definitely. just works and you're focused on the story of each and mm-hmm. as i say if you want to be nitpicky maybe if you did a side by side analysis maybe you would might find something that doesn't quite line up but i mean the rod is there, there was an error with the rod wasn't there but like they held their hands up admitted they'd made that mistake oh which what was that Kevin Scott, um, Tayserek has the rod, but then in Path of Vengeance, someone else has got it, Yana or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kevin Scott like published the things saying like, "Yeah, that was a mistake." Oh, is is that in what will be in the Volume Two trade paperback of the High Republic comic? Yes, I suppose it would oh, be. Yeah, so you, you, you're not yet. reading single issues, are you? Yeah, yeah. Cool. 
I do think it sort of sums up what I love about the High Republic, but also like slightly hesitate when I'm like recommending to friends what to read is that element of like, it's so rewarding to read every little thing and every issue of every Mm -hmm. comic um, because you do get all those crossovers and those neat little nods and even to the point where like the story is literally dependent on what came before. I mean, specifically with this phase, like you can't skip the Battle of Jeddah. You know, it's an audio drama, but you can't skip it. It is like an essential pillar of like the phase's story. Mm-hmm. And I love that stuff. Like I'm such a completionist. I love reading like little everything. Um, but I do think that like, you know, if with phase one, for example, you could easily say to someone, look, just read the free adult novels. You know, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm personally sitting there like I'm going to read everything, but you can get a whole picture. But I think if you just read Convergence and Cataclysm from this phase, you're you're really not getting the full story at all. Like you need part of the. I've seen people do it, and you need Battle of Jeddah as well. I mean, I've seen mm -hmm. people do it, and I I don't know. I mean, they seem to enjoy the books. I think for them, they just they didn't know what they were missing out on. Yeah, I mean, given that the heart of Phase One really is that it's the history of the the Nihil, the sort of the origins of the Nihil and um the, the role that the Rose sisters play in that. I mean really it's all about Path of Deceit and Path of Vengeance. So if you're just mm. reading those two adult novels, yeah. you're really missing the actual story. Yeah, arguably they're more important. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. No, I'd definitely say that. I'd say the two path books are the most important books of phase two. In in terms of in terms of how this phase supports phase two and potentially sets things up for the finale in phase three, absolutely. That's really interesting to like think about too. You know, I, I'm sure you all get similar questions from um, followers and people who are interested in in reading the higher public and things like that. Is do I have to read the young adult books? Do I have to like? Do I have to read them in particular order? You know, do I have to like read or listen to the audio dramas, things like that? I, I feel like I constantly get those questions, and it's really interesting to think about what you just said—that if you were to just read the two adult books in Phase Two, you're really not getting the full story and kind of like the main story of Phase Two. But if you were to read just Path of Deceit and Path of Vengeance, I feel like you would you would still not get the full story, but you would get a fuller story for Phase Two. Yeah, and those books definitely play into the larger narrative of the High Republic. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, Cataclysm and Convergence, like the whole Zirian Fantu thing. Uh, it's good, but it's more localized. Yeah, you know, right. It's it's more like a domestic story, isn't it? Yeah, uh, unless some sort of reignition of the Forever War is a big part of Phase Three, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah, likewise, you know, <laughs> are, are the joint rulers or the, is it the Queen and her consort in Phase Two? Are, are they? Are, are both planets united still at that point? I can't remember. No, they they have beef because if you remember. Orla and Comac, mm. they had that whole plot where one of the... Yeah, they had to resolve it again, didn't they? Yeah, they had to resolve it again because... Yeah, there was a kidnapping. There was like kidnapping. Yeah, there was a kidnapping of one of the princes or something, yeah. Oh, the, 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 that's the storyline that was sort of told in flashback in... Outer, yeah, in, outer, in, right, Into, into the, dark. the Dark. Yeah. 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 So it, it's obviously not all sunshine and roses. Yeah. Mm. 
But I do find, obviously, that point, just to continue on from, you know, that general discussion about, you know, what books sort of played into phase two more. Um, I completely agree that part of the, the two path of books definitely were the most significant. But I do find it quite interesting that it was it was Cataclysm that had arguably one of the biggest sort of, for me personally, like biggest canon significant scenes in the whole um the whole phase of like Yoda and Creighton at the end just being like, oh, so that massive bad thing that happened the night of sorrow, we're just going to pretend it never happened. We're never going to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. We're never going to address it. These levelers that are like killing Jedi. Let's that just, was wild. Let's just, tuck it, yeah. let's just tuck it away in the archives and never mm-hmm. address it again. Like that is a huge moment. It's, and it, I mean, yeah, to yeah. me as, as someone, I don't know if you guys know this, I, I have a master's degree in history so I'm, I'm always fascinated about anything to do with the like Jedi archives mm. and kind of the keeping of history and everything with the higher public phase one, phase two, and just kind of looking ahead to, um, you know, the Skywalker saga and thinking about how during phase one and phase two, we have these massive events um, and then the nameless creatures and, Obviously, we're working backwards, so it's not like we're going to really see those elements be addressed in, uh, you know, the prequel movies that were, you know, two couple decades old now. So, like, I understand that. But seeing that moment with Yoda, of all people, <laughs> being like, we're not going to talk about this. Like, we're going to, like, bury this? Mm. I'm like, for what purpose? <laughs> it, that, that did... That still strikes me as odd. I mean, I, I spent most of my time during, while reading Phase 2 wondering, how are they going to wrap this up in such a way that everybody's forgotten <laughs> about, about these things that turn Jedi into calcified husks? Um, I, I, I think that is still maybe the least satisfying bit of Phase 2 for me right now, because I don't quite buy it. It, it seems odd. I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know what the rationale is. Um it feels more like a sort of uh, the flawed, sort of flawed decisions that maybe the Jedi of the prequel era might have made. Yeah, you know? I mean, this this but could be I the don't start feel of like that. The Jedi are there yet? Yeah. Sorry, Chris. This could be the start of that, couldn't it? This could be. Yeah. I mean, obviously, one of the criticisms that the High Republic always gets from the people that are never going to read it and probably don't, probably can't even read, <laughs> um, always say. Is oh, but it's it's so boring to read about the Jedi at their peak with no Sif and it's all la di da. It is for about five seconds at the beginning of like the Jedi. You might say that's what it yeah, is, it, uh, but obviously we got a hundred pages of that at the start of Light of the Jedi, and everything else since has been yeah, exactly. So this whole story obviously is how the Jedi became got from their peak to the mm. ineffectual, corrupted, you know, uh, version we see in the prequels. And this could be the start of that because they're going through some things in these books, yeah. you know. And it's not even just this. There was a moment in um, Into the Dark, wasn't there? Um, or was it one of the later ones where Comac was like really disenchanted with them to do with the the dark side shrine and the thing. I can't remember the exact details, but it's not an isolated yeah, incident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I I, I guess they wanted to tie... I guess maybe it explains why Yoda then heads off so mysteriously so early on in Phase 1 um, in, in the High Republic Adventures comic, 
you know, he sort of sees things coming together maybe and realizes that he's got a he's got a, a mistake from the past he needs to yeah fix. that's that's gotta be i just it, love <laughs> i just love the idea that yoda's 150 years later is just like ah shit this thing i was gonna say do you think there's like this level of embarrassment with like yoda and the other jedi just be like we don't want to talk we don't talk about that anymore you know like they're embarrassed of how they've how they've handled stuff and reacted to stuff i mean it's just it's got to be hasn't it because i mean even the jelly we know later on this is probably the biggest sort of out of character development and i hope i hope it's not just a convenient plot point to tie in the potential inconsistency between the two phases i hope they do expand on this because it's it's a really interesting point you know it's a really interesting um layer to the jedi if it is if they do build on it um so there's there's got to be some kind of shame because it's it's not just that things went wrong things went wrong and a lot of jedi died a lot of jedi died you know yeah i i think there is more to come on it and i i i think they will unpack that strange decision more in in the course of phase three and explaining where yoda has yeah. been and what he's been up to and who this person he's come back with is etc etc i i guess maybe it sits a bit oddly with us right now because they can't say too much right now without yeah. spoiling it yeah i'm sure that's definitely yeah and i guess it was we've sort of nicely sort of tied ourselves into i guess you know where we can start to wrap up but uh, i think it would be a good to to start to sort of reflect on where path of vengeance leaves us at the end i mean as big uh marda and yana fans everyone in this group were, were you guys happy with where they ended at the end of this book you know obviously uh marda going off in the gaze electric to essentially start the nile and yana sort of having a bit of a an epiphany about the direction that she's gone and she chooses her own path i mean um maybe jason I'll, I'll start with you i mean what were your sort of thoughts on sort of where this book sort of ended for those characters specifically and just in general sure and i i feel like these two were really the heart of this book and we've talked about this already and um i just really um what I'm not, this isn't a brag, but when I talked to Kevin about this on my podcast, I, I asked him a similar question. Um, and he said, he's a big proponent of characters, like going to their natural end, whatever that may be. And like, he's kind of just like guiding them there. Right. And so I, whether or not I wanted them to, um, get where they went, obviously we love Marta, but I feel like that's a loving Marta is a very different kind of love. <laughs> right. I mean, she is, she's a complicated, complicated woman. And um, I think they all went to their natural end. And for, to me, for Yana, it was very satisfying because it's kind of that arc that a lot of people, um, I don't want to say it's a hero arc, but it's satisfying to see someone like understand the error of their ways and to like make a choice that's going to hopefully make a difference for good. Right. And so I feel like it was satisfying in that regard. And I, I think my love for Yana changed a lot i I didn't really have as like close of a connection with her um going into this book and i I kind of always viewed her as kind of like oh she's kind of like the lackey you know to the herald or you know she's really selfish and obviously she's um 
just a she's just a different character than marta and um she's you know marta's soft and i feel like yana is hard but i feel like that kind of switched you know in this book mm. um mm. and i like that it none of it felt unnatural none of it felt implausible um it just felt like this is where these characters needed to go and i I just loved watching that journey for them. I think that's what I really appreciated about this book when all is said and done, like, yes, it's a different POV on this epic battle and all this like, you know, heartache and heartbreak going on, but really it's witnessing this journey of these two cousins and figuring out, finding their path in life and making a choice. And then that putting them on the road to their futures. No, great. I, I completely agree. Um, anyone have, have more to add in, in that regard in terms of where the, where the book left us at the end with, with these characters? I mean, it, it just felt really natural, you know. Um, Yana f- f- finally gets free <laughs> of the path, uh, which, is kind of wh- which is kind of where she was even quite early on in Path of Deceit, you know. Um, she, she was never, we never really got the sense that she was a true believer, you know, um, she was really sticking around for core. Um, and, and when core was gone, there was really nothing left for her. Um, and eventually, you know, she, she's fine, you know, by the end of this book, she's found her way to, to get out and make her own way in the galaxy. Um, which is beautiful to see. And I, I, Marta, on the other hand, you know, gosh, I mean, I, I love that character so much. And, you know, she, she's such a wonderful case study of, you know, sort of religious indoctrination and sort of so, so someone who's unable to kind of see through the manipulation and someone who's, you know, un, just unwilling. You know, she sees absolutely everything that happens around her through the prism of, you know, the, the, the worldview that she's brought up with. And, and she, everything sort of gets bent to that. Uh, and she doesn't really let go of that, even when sort of the scales fall from her eyes in terms of how she sees the mother. You know, she's still she's still a, sort of a, a zealot of one sort or another. And, and, and that feels perfectly satisfying as well, you know? Yeah, it's super tragic, isn't it, that, like, how she categorizes Kevmo's death, you know, this heartbreaking thing, which she admits is heartbreaking and has destroyed her, but and you'd think it would open her eyes to the fact that she loved the Jedi so much that the Jedi aren't bad. But it, it goes because of her like you know, zealot like, you know, indoctrination, um, it goes the other way. It it makes the head of the Jedi even more. Because it she you know, it she feeds it feeds into her narrative that um if you use the force, then you know, karma will happen and then you know what i mean like that's why he died yeah um i mean even later on in this book you know she's she's basically saying that the um all the 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 trouble on jedda might have been because kevmo saved her life at the end of path of deceit using the force you know (laughs) absolutely everything gets seen through that twisted prism yeah i mean like in to this day and age that kind of hit quite hard you know because we have Mm. a lot of we have mm-hmm. a lot of people, 100%. Right, people on different sides of arguments, and the amount of time mm-hmm. you can hit someone with facts or logic, and they'll just twist yeah. that just to fit their narrative, and you're like, "What?" And it, it's, yeah. yeah, you know what? I'm glad yeah. you said that. I was thinking that so much reading this book. I was like, "Wow, I could I hadn't drawn a line to like reality in present day in a Star Wars book." 
yeah. in a long time. Like I don't even know ever. And I was like, oh man, I feel that. I love it when yeah. Star Wars does this. It's amazing. I mean, and I, I'm surprised we haven't touched on this before now. Yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. last hour or so, but you know, just the, the, this idea of sort of mutually exclusive worldviews and sort of e- elevating problematic and baseless narratives on sort of in some sort of uh, misguided search for balance. You know, all all of that sort of speaks so much to certain things in the times in which we live it's beautiful without and without any of it being heavy-handed in any way no it's it's very much in keeping i was gonna say there were times in both um path of vengeance and cataclysm where path members were like basically calling jedi like you know their equivalent of like slurs you know and like names and i'm like this is this is a lot you know it it really drove home this really fanatical and truly just like sad worldview that the path members have but at the same time i really appreciated that marta started out as a true believer and she stayed a true believer um I I don't know if I would have liked her as much if she became not that. Like I I appreciated that she just this is just who she is, and she's been so you know indoctrinated and entrenched in this that there's no pulling her back from that. And I thought that was I mean I thought it was brilliant, and even though like. It, she she was she was doing very bad things, <laughs> and her beliefs are you know wrong. But uh, I appreciated kind of her 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 steadfastness in those those belief beliefs, despite having you know having the 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 curtains pulled back on on the mother and other characters. Did anyone else get Westboro's Baptist Church vibes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I guess that's like sort of one of the big successes of, you know, the path of the open hands, the mother, Marda, you know, all as the villains of, of this phase is that, you know, their worldview is so twisted, but you can see from their perspective where they're coming from, even though, you know, most of us reading it disagree because we have a view of the force. You know, I always think of Han Solo saying that's not how the force works. I almost feel like they needed a button just to press that every time the path said something ridiculous about, you know, the force and weird sort of consequences. Um, but you can see where they're coming from within a, a view which is is wrong. Um, so I do think that was sort of a major success of the phase. And I think that ties so perfectly into the leveler and the nameless as these tools for punishing people who use the force. And I think, you know, us seeing in phase one that that is Markion Rose ultimate goal is to punish the Jedi. Um, you know, whether his reasoning is as force philosoph- philosophical as someone like Marder's or if his is more personal, I guess we're yet to sort of find out exactly. But I think that as a, as a tool for the villains of this era, I think is a really, really interesting and unique and different idea for Star Wars villainy of just punishing the Jedi for not for being the Jedi like the Sith do, but for the way that they use the Force. I think that's uh, really unique, and I particularly enjoyed that by the end of this phase. Yeah, 
Am I right in thinking that there's something, you know, the, the lightsaber that... Doesn't Martian have a lightsaber? Yeah, it's Loden's. Yeah, Pretty sure. But does he have the one anyway? Yeah. Or is he just Loden's? Nah, it's Loden's yellow one. That Mark oh, has. I got confused. I was thinking like, you know, was that... Because Kev Mose is yellow and Marda has it, doesn't she? Yeah, I had a moment like that as well. I was like, I yeah, thought that yeah. too. But I guess it's just coincidence. A happy coincidence. <laughs> they both had yellow lights. So okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I guess. I mean, I guess we can sort of start to to wrap things up. That I am weary of of the time we've been chatting for ages, and we could easily chat for <laughs> the same amount of time again. Um, is there anything sort of that anyone wants to sort of add? specifically if they were dying to say something uh i guess now's your chance to, to sort of add it in as we sort of bring this discussion to a close i've got a question quick one we've spent the whole hour and a half or whatever um talking about how great marder is nyana is which is a better character marder or axel Oh, oh no! <laughs> I mean, I, I don't oh. like Axel that much, so it's for me. It's got to be Marda. Oh, see, I really, really like. Well, I mean, I love to hate Axel. Oh, I mean, that's, that's a tough one for me because <laughs> I really, really like Axel. Uh, they're both great. I would say I like Axel, but I love Marda. Same. <laughs> yeah, I felt like we got more with Marda, like more like fleshed out characterization with Marta because yeah. she's a central character in the young adult books, which notoriously are more character forward. You spend more time with the characters. Whereas Axel, like if Axel was in a young adult book, like I would eat that up because I, mm. I love both of them. Mm. But I think for I, me, yeah. yeah, I think for me, the thing with Marta was knowing that she was Marta Rowe. I think in my head, I was always like, even though I got frustrated with her every time she chose to do the wrong thing again, I was, ultimately in my mind, I was like, yeah, she's going to be turning pretty bad. But I guess with Axel, I, I genuinely just got really, really annoyed with him because I was like, oh, you could be good, but you're doing this. So I guess that's why I sort of sometimes lean a bit towards Axel because he, there was no pre thing in my mind of like, this guy's bad. I was always just like, like he had, he had. Yeah. Hope. No, yeah, yeah. I feel like those right. are the characters <laughs> are the ones that are like they've connected with the fan base. Like people love Marda and people oh, love yeah, Axel. I mean, I remember during actually it was Jason mm -hmm. your 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 interview with Kevin Scott. I started this uh, in the comments just because I was bored. Not with your interview. Your interview was amazing. Um, started this uh, call for a um, Axel Afra Chopper mini series called chaos team or something like that oh my god <laughs> and ev everyone's like chanting it and everyone looks yeah it, it would people be look people look it's axel he's like captured the fan base i mean i'd love honestly i'd love a story and i'm it's almost criminal we never got it to be honest where with axel and marder because i feel like they're perfect counterpoints Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that I, I'd love to see like a mini series or a, a short story or a book, which like I don't know, maybe Axel stowed away down the Glaze Electric. Do you know what I mean? At the end of Fact of the Seat, <laughs> and it's like some weird buddy cop thing. I don't know, but like I'd read that. My 
<laughs> my weird Axel headcanon story, which is impossible because of the 150 year gap, is I think Axel would be a great member of the Vessel crew. I think. Oh yes, yes, Axel, I've thought that. And yeah. Affy would be a really weird for sure. <laughs> he's the spirit. He's this. He, yeah, the, he's a spirit member of the. Yeah, band. Well, yeah exactly. both Axel and Leox quite like to get the midriff out, don't they? God, can you imagine <laughs> if the bandaged figure that Yoda brings back is Axel? That'd be tragic. Oh God, that'd Whoa. be. I don't, I don't know why that was mad because he had nothing to do with the nameless. It, well, I don't know how it would be. Possible, and he's an idiot, but, but would, like, would, right, right, it would definitely hey, we, uh, mess me up. Yeah, same. We got a high republic Jedi and Jedi survivor, so anything is possible. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that, that is that is true. Um, I guess my sort of last uh, question. Uh, before we wrap up is uh, obviously this book gave us a lot more information about the nameless and i guess my quick little uh question to end it on is uh how on <laughs> are the jedi going to be the nameless are they going to be okay because i'm not feeling very confident anymore well i know we we obviously we know they're ultimately okay because there's some skywalker friends and all that but it remains to be seen, right? I don't know. I I, I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be probably the majority of Phase yeah, 3, right? Yeah. So I'm, it'll be fun to find I'm out. I'm definitely worried about it because they're, uh, <laughs> they're proven pretty hard to beat. One thing I would like to say, actually. I, mean, I, 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 do, I do have a sort of a very a very unlikely theory that actually the people who have been, have been turned to husks aren't actually dead and they're, they're just somewhere else. Uh, and that it'll, all be, it'll all be okay in the end. But... Maybe their spirit. <laughs> we would have a phase three finale like the last episode of Lost, where everybody's in a temple. Okay, right. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to blow your mind now. I mean, I like that idea. If it weren't, what for if it them literally describing Loden? It doesn't <laughs> turning to dust at the at the end. But maybe the dust uh, but, is. But that wasn't of... his actual body. His actual body was teleported away somewhere. That was okay. just some sort of right. in the forest. Give, don't give me hope. Don't give me hope. Anything's possible. <laughs> I guess that probably uh, is is a good place to to wrap up. Um, we could easily keep on going and chatting forever, um, because you know the, the the book and the High Republic in general is something that gives us all lots to talk about. Um, but yeah, let, let's wrap up there. Thanks everyone for 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 joining us on the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Uh, we had obviously Jason with us, Chelsea, Chris, and Johnny, and myself, Dan. Um, Chris, was there anything we wanted to plug at the end of this? You, you as the wise Star Wars book community uh, grandmaster. No, but in terms of the Star Wars book community, no. I mean, we obviously this. If you're listening to this, then it's out there and it's done. We have no idea what the next ones are going to be. We've got some great ideas. Um, it won't necessarily be the same people you're hearing now. But if you've got, um, if you want to get involved, if you've got an idea for a podcast or uh, anything like an editorial, just get in touch. Get in touch with either um, Vader Castle Library. Um, they, we're actually going to have a Star Wars book community podcast page, which you could message. Um, and it could be anything. So if, if you want to talk, if you want to review a book, if you want to talk about certain characters, if you wanted to sort of dig into the difference between Battle Scars and Survivor, it doesn't matter. Just submit your ideas. Um, we will. We do have some certain guidelines and rules, and it's got to be of a certain not quality because who's that? Who's to say what's quality and what's not? But um, a certain standard. Um, but you know, the whole point is it's a community. It's not. It's not mine. It's not these guys. It's everyone. So get in touch. 
um, and we'll we'll consider everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, so thank you very much if you tuned in. Thank you for listening, and thanks everyone for being a part of this first episode and for a really fantastic Path of Vengeance discussion. Uh, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye.